You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. I like the lyrics of that song that says, remember this, I'm your God, I'm the one who loves you. That he's in every moment. that he has plans in every moment. And sometimes we like to know what those plans are before we step into that moment so that we feel like we can trust him more. That's not the way it works all the time. Sometimes he asks for us to step into the moment not knowing what the moment holds. And I believe that there's this space right now that he's actually calling the church to step into, where we've liked things to be ordered and exactly what we expected and how we wanted it to be. but that there's new space that he's calling us into that says, I want you to trust what you can't see. That I'm holding every moment. In Genesis 22, uh, verse 1, it's a story of Abraham and we know Abraham and how he was in this place of constant obedience to God and constant trusting God when God gave him a promise that he couldn't see of like, you're going to have a son and I don't know what it looks like and I don't know when and the holding on and the waiting for it. And it's like, you know, God, where? But the surrendered posture of living in obedience to God. And so then Abraham finally has a son, and the promise is fulfilled, but the promise was actually so much more than just Isaac. That was the beginning. But he has Isaac and he has his son and, and, you know, you can imagine what that had been like if I've waited for this my whole life. I tried to make it happen. And then you come to this space where in, in verse 1 of Genesis 22 where it says, sometime later, Isaac's been born. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac. It's like you had to name it. Yeah, the one that you're wanting to hold on to, Isaac, yeah. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I can't imagine 
what Abraham is feeling in that moment. I'm like, okay, God, this is a big step of faith, or I don't want to do that. Anybody ever been in that place where the Lord is asking something of you and you're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Anything but that. And, and it doesn't outline how Abraham is, but and what he's thinking, all we know is the next morning he got up and began to prepare for it. And so Abraham gets up and it says the next morning, Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Man, that part, that verse just got me. Because I've made the pre preparations and I've, okay, I'm, I'm doing what you've asked, waiting that maybe there's this moment where I won't have to do what you've required of me. And then he looks up and he sees the place that God has called him to sacrifice his son. As if the moment has come. The moment. And so he tells his servants, like, hey, guys, I'm going to go up with Isaac. We'll be back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sheep? And Abraham said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife. I mean, just imagine in the, every moment of like, I'm going through this. Yes, God, I'll obey. Yes, God, I'll obey you. He picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, at that moment, at the moment the final moment. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm sure that was allowed. Like, yes. <laughs> Abraham replied, here I am. And the angel said, don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. And you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed its burnt offering in a place of his son. 
And Abraham named the place Yahweh, Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On Friday, as I usually do most weeks, I get up and I begin to pray and ask the Lord what he wants me to preach on, to speak on. And as most of you have, you know, heard my dialogue, sometimes I know, sometimes I wait and I, I get, and I get in nothing, nothing. And so I would pray some more and I worship, read my Bible, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? Is it something in me? Is it, you know? And he began to talk to me about a bird. And how when it's time to come out of the nest and fly, that the mom pushes it out of the nest. And the Lord said, I'm not going to give you anything. I want you to trust me. the beginning of the chapter says that the Lord began a day of testing Abraham's faith. That there was a testing of, of my faith. Of trusting in God not trusting on the giftings or the talents or my own ability or my own strengths or even the things that he's given me, my own comfortability. But there was a requiring of me to sacrifice some things in my own life. And I read this now and I kind of laugh and I think, all the way from Friday to Sunday, that's not very far, but from Friday to Sunday, I'm like reading the Bible. Oh, could I preach on this? Is this it? You know, kind of like Abraham doing the, okay, I'm picking up the wood. You there, God? No, not that. Okay. And I got, you know, I'm loading Isaac up now, God. No, you're still not there, you know. And, and recognizing that there was some requiring of myself to take me where God wants to take me. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm only sharing this because as I feel that there are some things as a church that the Lord is asking for us, for you to sacrifice on the altar. Our comfortability, 
are things that we hold close to us, are things that are our default, that we go back to and say, I trust you, Lord, but I hold on to this just in case you don't come through. That there's this radical surrendering of it. Did you know what you can't surrender, what you can't sacrifice on the altar is an idol? Think about that. What in your life, if God pushed on it and said, I want you to sacrifice that? What are the idols that we've built in our life that we look to more or that we hold on to more or that we trust in more? And then, like I said, where all of a sudden Abraham looks up and he sees the place and he knows the moment has come. And I just felt like the Lord say, the moment has come, church. That there's a place for us to go farther in our faith, deeper in our walk, crazy, no limit faith. That it's not about me, but it's about your will. for some of us it's even I was talking to the team about this before we came out of, of, of the things that we're comfortable with and comfortable with often has religion all over it I'm, I'm just going to read what I read to the team I just got to find it here. It's 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 from Emma Stark and it says it like this. Has Jesus become your prisoner? It's time for the liberation of Jesus. Is Jesus liberated in the midst of you? Was the times that you've come together as a church, was Jesus able to be himself? Then she said, I'm talking about the wildness of a God who created extreme emotion, who created dancing and joy and groaning and weeping and gravity that can be broken. Holy Ghost possession, ecstatic prophecy and trembling and shaking of buildings and people. And she emphasized this, emphasized this, as this is his normal. And you can't argue with me because it's all throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end. This is how he showed up. Tongues of fire and whirlwinds in houses and purity that makes demons scream and the tendency that when you meet him, you will fall on your face. 
Jesus has become imprisoned by the box of your traditions, by the box of your comfort, by the box of your preferences. This is how I would prefer to meet with you, Jesus. This is how I prefer for you to behave. Jesus being formed in you is Jesus expressing himself through you. His culture, his kingdom, his ways being expressed through you. But the religious spirit makes you self-focused. It makes you individualistic, content to let the world burn. It comes with the box of traditions, of comfort, of preferences. A religious spirit wants your worship contained. God does not. Religion will fight for your affections. Religion is anti-Christ and anti-anointing. Because the anointing of God comes to set the captives free. And it's what destroys the yoke. And religion comes to stop the anointing. Religion tries to stall the work of God in your life. It doesn't want freedom. It doesn't want you to walk in your identity. It doesn't want the body of Christ to step into the fullness. It entangles people in bondage. It prevents freedom. And, and I just feel like there's this space beyond what we feel comfortable that God is calling us into. That sometimes it's just that, it's just that one step of, I don't like how this feels, or I don't know what they'll say, or what, what are people going to think of me, what, I promise you nobody's thinking about you as much as you think they are. And you don't know that beyond your obedience, what kind of breakthrough is happening in someone else's life because you obeyed. I wonder if we could switch the way we think. I wonder if instead of what would they think of me, I wonder if my thinking was, what if I don't step out? What if someone stays in bondage because of it? What would happen if I obey? There's got to be something. More. Because you see, God, we are individualistic. We like to think it's just about me and my breakthrough. It's not. Your breakthrough is connected to somebody else's breakthrough because God put us together. So instead of being concerned about what they would say, I'd be more concerned about what my disobedience would cost somebody. Because you know what happened? For Abraham, after Isaac gets off the altar and they sacrifice, 
the ram, he comes down and the angel begins to speak to Abraham. And I want to show you this. Just let me find it. It's in Genesis 22. It says, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham, verse 15, from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. That, that one moment of sacrificing what God put his finger on caused generational breakthrough to take place. Because you have obeyed me. So I think you know all through these last couple of days became the consistent cry in my heart of oh god I trust you but I'm so scared And we go through all of the, but what if you don't, what if you don't show up? What if I get up there and they just stare at me and I've got nothing to say? Like reality, when have you never had anything to say? But, but like, what if you don't show up? What if you don't move? What if... I just kept coming back to... You gotta move beyond that place. Because the moving beyond that place, the testing of your faith is stepping into a greater space. And I believe that the Lord is calling us, his church, to step beyond that place. And whatever it is that the Lord would speak to you about, of what will you place on the altar? that there are some things that I want you to lay down. Maybe those places even that I know that we've all had them where we're like, I will never go there. I will not do that. No, Lord, don't ever call me to do that, please. Or the boxes and the preferences that we want him to move in. Maybe those are the places that he's asking us to lay down.
I read something last night in Sorry, I'm jumping between my journal, so it's kind of all over the place here. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth said, if the spirit does not move me, I move him. In other words, he moves God by his faith. More often than not, God is waiting for our action. He's waiting for our instant obedience. But, but we've gotten to this place of like, I'm just going to wait for confirmation. Just more confirmation, Lord. Is it really? I'm just going to more confirmation, God. Someone's got to say something to me or I got to see this and then I'll do it. But God is actually asking for us to move. there's a need for us to continually wake up our faith. The kind of faith that keeps us in the right place for what God has asked us to do. And I think because it keeps us in this place of having faith in God. Not having faith in myself. there was a time when God would show me my, me preaching. I wasn't even leading worship yet, and I would see myself preaching, and I would say, no, Lord, no, that's of the devil. And as I began to come back to the Lord, I would then see myself, I could, he would show me snippets of myself worshiping and my whole body would be into it. And I was like, that's weird. I don't, I don't want to do that. But then eventually that day came. And I was like, wow, God. <laughs> I think there's a guy being lowered down. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm preaching the roof down. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> it's a portal. <laughs> I love it. I don't like the mess, but. <laughs> but then that day came and it was like, God, you did it, you know? And then came the time where I had to step out in faith and begin preaching, and I didn't want to do that either. And God taught me how to plan a sermon I didn't know, and he taught me how to preach, and I learned that along the way. But then comes the next place of, okay, I taught you that. Those were all blessings from the Lord. And he gave those things to me and he was with me and empowered me in those moments. And then comes the time where he says, I don't want you 
to have any notes at all. And you're just going to get up there and you're going to trust me. Because as humans, all along the way, we build boxes of comfort. And the Lord is telling his church, it's time to come out of your comfort. It's time to step out of maybe what religion is to you. Or beyond the place of what trusting yourself is. And beyond the place where you've let God into and then shut him out of because you perfected it. And so before any more tiles fall down, asking you to sacrifice today and recognizing that that sacrifice what he's asking you to lay down isn't just about you and in fact it's not just about this church about this city the other day when I was in prayer the Lord began to talk to me about Prince Albert she's been talking to me about it for a bit that there that there is a shift coming but I began to see him almost pull out a scroll and it had Prince Albert written on it. And he began to unroll it and read forth the decree that he had set forth for Prince Albert. And as he began to decree what he had written about Prince Albert, there was a shift that began to take place. I was like, God, I want to be in that. So if it means that I have to do all the scary things, I'd rather have your way than have mine. I'd rather have your kingdom come than mine. So God, we just push. We push past those limits, God, that we've put on you and put on ourselves. 
God, we know that there's a requiring of some things in our life to be sacrificed. And listen, that just hit me so big. If, if you're not able to sacrifice it, it's an idol. It's become the thing that you're worshiping. And your worship has become divided. And you are not walking in the fullness of the freedom that God has for you. And so God is saying tonight, today and tonight, <laughs> lay it down. Lay it down. Because there is a breakthrough that I am releasing into your life. And this breakthrough will go beyond what you can think or even imagine. And in fact, as you begin to lay down these idols, watch the ripple effect begin to take place in your life and in your families. Revival is coming to your houses. Revival is coming to this region. But I'm looking for those that will lay down what you have called dear. To lay down where your affection has been divided. to lay down how you've held on to past moves of my spirit. Because I'm doing a new thing. But it will take you walking by faith into the things that are unseen. that these are seasons, days of instant obedience. But in this, that when you hear him speak, move. alone. 
And that's not just a cute saying. He's on the inside of you. information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.